Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I was wide awake at 1.30 this morning. Not sure why. I got up and I went out and sat in the living room and I sat there for about an hour. Actually kind of hoping that I might sleep in my recliner, but I didn't. You know, it's amazing how peaceful your house is between 1.30 and 2.30 in the morning. And I'm saying that even though there are only two of us there and neither one of us makes a whole lot of noise. You just lay there and hear nothing. But you know, that's the time sometimes when God speaks to us. And I thank God for those times of being still to listen to his voice. It's a peaceful, easy feeling, as that old Eagle song says. Today we're at wrapping up a nine-week message series called Extreme Faith. In extreme days, we need extreme faith, no doubt about it. This morning we're going to end up with extreme peace, asking a simple question. How can I be strong when my life is so full of stress? I mean, how can I experience what Jesus talked about in today's reading that Sue shared with us earlier from John 14? Remember, he said, I leave behind you my peace. I give you my own peace, not like the peace of this world. He says, so don't be distressed. Don't be daunted. Well, let me begin by sharing with you a definition that's on your message outline. This is at least one definition of stress. Stress is the psychological and physiological conditions that a person experiences when they perceive a situation as threatening, harmful, or demanding. And some of you read that and you go, yep, been there, or am there. The question is, how do you get rid of your stress? Well, I went to the, you know, I guess it's called the Techies Bible, it's called Google. And I typed in, how to relieve your stress. I found 99 ways to relieve your stress, 25 ways to relieve your stress, 17 ways to relieve your stress. I, I just pulled out this list of 15. Let me share a few of these with you. Here's how to relieve your stress. Somebody actually put this on the internet. Shove 20 tiny marshmallows up your nose and try sneezing them out. Use your MasterCard to pay off your visa. When someone tells you, have a nice day, tell them, no thanks, I have other plans. Put your little sister's clothes on her backwards and send her to preschool as if there was nothing wrong. Here's one for some of you. You've got a few days you have to do this. Fill out your income taxes in Roman numerals. <laughs> Pay your electric bill in pennies. Read your Bible upside down and look for secret messages. <laughs> Write a short story using alphabet soup. Stare at people through a fork and pretend they're in jail. <laughs> or make up a language and then ask someone for directions. There's all kinds of nonsense out there, friends, about how to relieve stress. Fortunately, God's word is a whole lot simpler. In fact, I want to share with you four things this morning and also allow Jack Perry to share a few things this morning about peace of mind. And the most important one I'm going to start with is number one, and that is just to accept God's pardon. 
Accept God's pardon. That's the way it begins. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 tells us, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, friends, if you're out of harmony with God, it causes stress. When the vertical and the horizontal are out of whack, your life's a mess. And because we all make mistakes, we all feel guilty, and because we feel guilty, guess what? It causes stress. But the Bible says simply, we need to accept God's pardon. It says, for we are all justified, not by our good looks, but through faith. God wipes the slate clean. Now, I've got to tell you, even if there were no heaven, and, and by the way, there is, but even if there were none, I think I'd still become a Christian just for the peace of mind that forgiveness brings. The Old Testament prophet Micah, chapter 7, says, Who is a God like you, who pardons sins and forgives? You delight to show mercy. You get a picture of that, that God sits there with a smile on his face, and he's eager and ready and willing to clean and cleanse your conscience. I mean, stop, about, stop and think about that for a moment. God says, I want to offer you blanket coverage, total forgiveness for every single thing you've ever done. Now, do you think that might promote a little peace of mind? Friends, you really need to settle this issue. You need to really kind of start with number one and settle this one because the other four probably won't be of much help until you really understand how much God wants to forgive you in Jesus. He wants to wipe the slate clean. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. I mean, some people call this being born again. It's starting over. You've got a clean conscience, and that produces peace of mind. Here's number two. Recognize God's presence. Recognize God's presence. I think I, I sensed that early this morning as I was kind of trying to get a cough to go away, but just laying there in the silence out in the family room. And I remember thinking, you know, where two or three are gathered together in my name, and I realized I was only one, but I also know that wherever I am, God is. I think that reduces your stress level significantly. I mean, you're not facing anything in life alone. God is with you. Psalm 46 has two wonderful verses in it, verse 1 and verse 10. Verse 1 says, uh, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. And then when you get down to verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. The background of, this, of that psalm is very interesting. <clears throat> there were 180,000 enemy troops circling Jerusalem. They were about to destroy it, and God came to David and said, Relax, David, I'm in charge. And about five minutes before they were ready to attack the city, God caused the plague to break down in that enemy camp and desolated the enemy, and Jerusalem was saved. God says, Don't worry. I'm your ever-present help. You just need to recognize it. Now, how do you begin to recognize God's presence? Well, I think this verse tells us two things. One of them is to be still. Be still. In Hebrew, it means let go. It means ease up. Blaise Pascal, a, a famous <clears throat> Christian mathematician, once said, all of man's problems come from his inability to sit still. 
See, hurry aggravates worry. The more you get hurried, the more you get worried. I mean, if there's anything I could convince you to do a little more often, is just to sit still. Now, every once in a while, in fact, I kind of mentioned it this morning, that God spoke to me between about 1.30 and 2.30 this morning, and every once in a while, I see some funny looks on people's faces when I say things like that. And sometimes it's like, I don't know, God never talks to me. Does he do it just because you got a clergy card in your pocket? Because you're a pastor? No. I, I remind people who say, I don't, I don't know that God's ever talked to me, is that maybe some of you haven't sat still and been quiet long enough. I mean, if God wanted to say something to some of you, he could never catch you. You're too busy. You've got to be quiet. You've got to be still. And then the second thing it says, not only be still, but know. The word know in Greek is the most intimate kind of knowledge. But remember, there's a difference between knowledge, knowing about God, and knowing God. You can know all about God. You can know facts. You can go to church. You can memorize hymns. You can know all about God. But the Bible says you really got to know him. Now, the word know in the Bible is, a, is one of the most intimate kinds of knowledge. Let me give you a couple of funny examples. I mean, not funny examples, but this is how the word works. In Genesis, what does it say? Adam knew Eve. Guess what? They had a baby. Must have been some intimacy there in that knowing, huh? Abraham knew Sarah. Guess what? She got pregnant too. It's that ultimate, intimate kind of knowledge. God desires personal interaction and fellowship. He says, I want you to know me like I know you. See, if you accept God's pardon and you recognize his presence... I'll tell you, your tension level ought to go down at least a few degrees. And your peace of mind meter ought to go up a few. You just need to remind yourself from time to time, Lord, I know you're here with me. The problem is we know more about other stuff than we know about God. I mean, we know more about Oprah or ESPN or Rush Limbaugh than we know about God. Why is that? Because you know the one you're with most often. And some of us aren't with the God who wants to forgive us near enough. Here's the third thing I would tell you to reduce your stress, extreme peace. Obey God's principles. The longest psalm in the Bible, Psalm 119, down around verses 165, 166, says, Those who love your laws have great peace of mind and do not stumble, so I've obeyed your laws. You know, the Bible is like an owner's manual. If you disregard the owner's manual, I got news for you. It's your own tough luck. I just traded in my truck on a newer used car, and it came with an owner's manual. And so the very first night, I sat down and I paged through it. Because quite honest, that new car has got more gizmos on it than even a techie like me can figure out. You know, like how to warm up my seat when the car gets cold or how to make sure that my wife's side of the car is warmer or colder, depending upon her needs, or how can I tell where the radio station shows up on the dial so I can tell whether I'm listening to country western or Christian music or whatever. I want to find out how often you should change your oil. 
and fix the tires because, you know, if you ignore the owner's manual, guess what? You won't be an owner real long. And the Bible is loaded with principles for living. I mean, I think over the years I have, I have preached message series straight from the Bible on personal happiness and on success and how to build strong marriages and how to build strong relationships and how to build up your businesses and how to handle your finances and how to take care of your health and how to have happy uh, parenting skills. I mean, it's all in God's Word. And yet, you know, you don't need to listen to this book at all. I mean, you can ignore it, you can never open it, you could never study it, you could never read it, you could never obey it, but if that's your choice, guess who it's hurting? I'll give you a clue, not God. Now, some of you say, but what about, what about all the rules in this book? I mean, there's so many rules. Doesn't that kind of cramp your style? I'll tell you, I haven't found one yet that cramped my style. In fact, I've discovered that the more I follow them, the freer I actually become. It's kind of like a train going down the tracks. The, tra the tracks are there so that you can run smoothly and so that you can actually get to where you want to go. It was what you were made to do. See, if you ignore God's rules, it's spelled S-T-R-E-S-S. -S -S. Stress. Stress comes when you ignore the way God tells you to live. So let me ask you a personal question. What has God told you lately through a Christian friend or through the word or maybe through a sermon or through a song that you haven't done yet? What has God told you to do that you have been putting off? See, when God tells you to do something and you just ignore it, is it any wonder you don't have much peace? And friends, it's not just enough to know the Bible. You've got to be able to apply it to your life, too. The best translation of the Bible is what? It's when you translate it into your own life. I once had a Bible class. I asked this question. I said, what do you do with the principles and promises of God? And one lady shot her hand up right away. And I said, okay, answer the question. What do you do with the principles and promises of God? She says, I underline them in yellow. Well, wonderful. <laughs> but you need to do more than that. You need to do more than underline them. You need to live them out and practice them and obey them. Because peace comes through obedience. Here's the fourth thing I'll tell you. Trust God's plan. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your understanding. You know that passage. There are four verbs in that, in that verse. Uh, trust, don't lean, acknowledge, and direct. The first three are for us. If we do the first three, God says, I'll do the fourth one. Think about that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means depend on them, even when it doesn't seem to make any sense. Trust God when everything seems to be out of control, because it's never out of God's control. Don't lean on your understanding. And I think this is one of the biggest reasons Christians don't have peace of mind, because they're always leaning on their own understanding. They're always trying to figure it out themselves. See, the most common, natural, normal reaction to any illness or any crisis in life, or the death of someone you love very much, is why? Why is this happening? Now, i got to tell you, friends, sometimes you'll get an answer. Sometimes you won't. In fact, if you understood it all, guess what? You'd be God. But you don't have to be God. 
You just let God be God. I mean, the testimony that I have heard from people over and over again is this, that in this crisis, in this situation, in this loss, when I finally stopped trying to figure it out and just started trusting God, peace of mind flooded over me. And with that, I want to have you give your attention to Jack Perry. He's going to be coming forward right now. Yeah, use this aisle, Jack. <laughs> and uh, Jack's going to share a little bit of his testimony. And I think he's going to reveal to you something about peace in a difficult situation. Well, thank you, Pastor, and good morning, everybody. Before I begin, I need to thank everybody sitting in this church for all their prayers and all their thoughts uh, when I was ill. Because, because of you and your prayers, I do stand here today. And I stand here today to glorify God. And I also need to thank my family. Would you stand up, please? Thank you very much. Okay. Well, the story I'm about to tell you is not about me. It's about the glory of God, and I'm just the lucky guy that God chose to pick on. Through all of this, God has blessed me with the peace that passes all understanding, and this is a free gift that can be yours by accepting the love of Jesus Christ and giving yourself to him. I'd like to begin with a reading from Psalm 118, verses 14 through 18. This is the word of God. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tent of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. There are a few key points I'd like to make with you this morning, and they begin with this. Bad things do happen to good people. Prepare to be chastened, just like the verse says, prepare to be chastened. The devil is alive and well, the battle between good and evil comes to you daily and lists the saving power of God when this happens. Healing is possible with God's help. Be positive in your fight. The power of prayer is miraculous. Pray continually and list the prayers of others. With God's help, you don't know what you're capable of doing or adjusting to or enduring, he will strengthen you. In times of great stress, distress, the greatest gift God can bless you with is his peace. With God, you're always in a win-win situation, no matter how grave the situation. Temporary inconveniences, that describes what the Lord blessed me with for the past few years. I call them bumps in the road. On October 23, 2007, my kidneys were removed in Minnesota. My son, Kyle, was to donate one of his kidneys to me. But the Lord had other plans for me. 
No transplant for Jack. My gift to you is cancer in both kidneys, and only dialysis will keep you alive for the rest of your life. You won't urinate anymore. All the fluids you'll drink will stay inside you, and if you don't get dialysis, you'll drown. Fluid and dietary restrictions. And by the way, Jack, 16,000 people get kidney cancer each year, and 50% of them die within the first year. And it's usually not treatable with chemo or radiation, just surgery. Oh, by the way, Jack, when you had your surgery, they didn't get all the cancer inside you. You still have cancer inside you. You know, I like to say now, it's been over a year, and I'm now on God's time. Isn't that wonderful? Well, off to MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. I arrived on December 2nd, 2007, expecting to be there five days. Stayed there 80 days. Two more surgeries. 79 days in the hospital, sepsis twice, pneumonia, fever, massive infection, days in ICU, atrial fibrillation. My wound opened up. I lost the, I lost the use of vision in my one eye for months. Two abdominal drains, four central venous catheters in my chest. Massive antibiotics 24 hours a day for months. No solid food for six weeks. Only TPN, IV nutrition. Flat on my back for six weeks. Had to learn to walk again. 27 units of blood. 24 hours a day in dialysis while I was in ICU. Gained 50 pounds of fluid in ICU where they expected me to die. They expected me to be the next person to die. Removal of parts of my large intestines and small intestines and an ileostomy. How's that for being chastened? (laughs) Well, the Lord was working on me and my family. You see, bumps in the road again. Temporary inconveniences for a lucky guy. It was discovered that the surgeons in Minnesota left part of a kidney inside me. It was detached from my bladder and still producing urine. Collecting in my body with no way out producing a life-threatening infection in my kidney cavity, in my blood, and in my bowels, which had been punctured in that first surgery. Well, here's where the Lord stepped in. On December 29th, while in ICU, doctors expected me to die. Lying in my room, I watched a nurse walk over to the whiteboard on the wall. You know how they have those whiteboards in hospital rooms? Patient's name, room number, nurse on duty, things you have to do that day. Well, she walked right over there and she picked up the magic marker and she took the lid off that magic marker and she went right under my name and she wrote this. TOD 729. Time of death 729. This is what I saw in my mind. This is what the Lord sent to me. What a shocker. I can't be dead, I said. I'm breathing. I can move. I can see. I can feel. I can talk. I can't be dead. So I just sat there in wonderment. What does this mean? TOD 729. The more I stared at it, it didn't go away. It stayed there. And the next thing I see in my mind is a gurney cart out in the hallway to take my body to the morgue. 
Now that's getting serious. Well, I began to pray. And I prayed for forgiveness of my sins. I prayed for the Lord to take me to heaven. I prayed for the Lord to help my family. I prayed for world peace. I said the Lord's Prayer. I said the Creed. I said a couple Psalms that I knew. And I'm laying in my bed and I start to sing out loud, Onward Christian Soldiers. You see, I was in a battle. I was in a fight. And my wife, Joyce, sat right next to me. Singing with me. (laughs) I had made my peace with the Lord and I was ready to die. The Lord guided me to change my prayer to something as simple as this. Lord, all I need is a miracle. And I kept saying that over and over. All I need is a miracle. You see, miracles do happen. I didn't die. Thanks be to God who can do all things and continue to work miracles today. One miracle was not enough for God. He wasn't done with me yet. While thanking God for life, he sent me a vision that has completely changed my life. And I'm sure I'm supposed to be here today sharing this with you. The Lord allowed the spirit of the devil to come to me. He, or it, was not in the form of a person or a beast, but in the form of an energy field, a power, a spirit. And it was totally black. And it was the most evil thing I'd ever felt in my life. And it was breathing, living, pulsating. It was alive. And I could see inside it. And it had brilliant red and green jewels in the middle. And the outside edges were molten like lava, orange, red, fiery, hot. Then the Lord showed me his life force. It too was a living, breathing energy, a spirit. It was the colors of the earth, white, beige, and green. And it felt wonderful. Looking inside it, I could see all goodly people of the earth joined together to make up this great force. Asian, Indian, African, Caucasian, Hispanics, and American Indians. You see, the devil was attacking God's life force, and God was fighting back. It was the actual battle between good and evil as noted in history, theology, philosophy, right in front of me. I can't say I went to heaven or hell. I did, however, see what was described in Revelations chapter 7, verses 9 and 10 and 13 and 14, which says, After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and carrying, crying out loud with a voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation 
and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now the question I keep asking myself and continue to pray about, why did the Lord show me this? What does it mean? And what do I need to do with this to glorify God? Well, here are a few possible answers the Lord sent me. Going back to the points I made earlier, bad things happen to good people. What then happens? Draw on the saving power of prayer. Let the Lord's grace heal you. Expect miracles. Reject the devil. Praise God and accept extreme peace that only God can deliver, as stated in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Know that together... You and the Lord can overcome any and all bumps in the roads, temporary inconveniences. Thanks be to God. What a great testimony, friends. Thank you, Jack, so much for sharing your life. I remember when I first came into contact with you was via an email from your lovely bride in December, I think it was, probably right after we'd come, and I know we and many other people have been praying for you. You know, Jack reassures us of a number of things in our life, and some of the things I've already talked about, and how God is much more interested in comforting you sometimes than just explaining everything. I mean, some things you're just never really going to figure out in life, and One of the things I'm slowly learning, and even as Jack has learned, and I'm sure John and some other people have been through a lot of things in the last year, is that we don't really need to figure out the why or the how or the when. God does what he does in order to have peace. We just have peace because we trust him. He is who he says he is. That's part of acknowledging him. Acknowledging that God is a good God, that he's a loving God, he's a caring God, he's a forgiving God, he's a healing God. God has the power to change your problems. God knows what he's doing. God has never said, oops. He just affirmed those things, and that brings peace of mind. God says when you do that, he will direct your paths. And Jack, even as you think about, what am I going to do with this? Why did God show me? He's going to direct your paths as you continue to learn to trust and not lean and acknowledge him. See, one of the chief causes of stress often is indecision. I can't decide. Do I do this or do that? Do I hang in or do I let go? Do I hang up, give up? What do I do? Acknowledge God. Trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Let him show you the path. There's one last thing I want to share with you, the fifth point, and that is to ask for God's provision. Ask for God's provision. That's what what Jack did. He asked for a miracle. He asked. A lot of times we don't have because we don't ask. See, when I need something, I simply ask for God's help, and it brings peace of mind. The great destroyer of peace is worry. In fact, many of you are professional worriers. What if I don't have the time? 
What if I don't have the money? What if I don't have the energy? What if? Some of you are what ifing yourself to an early grave. See, you have two options in life. One brings stress, the other one brings peace of mind. I'm going to read a passage that Jack shared with you one more time. It's Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about anything, he said. And see, whenever God has a negative, he always brings a positive, and he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. See, your options are panic or pray. I'm not sure. You look at the time of death, and I see that you can panic or you can pray. Prayer is a tremendous stress reliever. A few years ago, I went to a stress management seminar that was sponsored by a local church. And at the end of the day, the presenter concluded with this. I'm going to give you my most important stress tip. Everybody needs an unconditional listener that you can unload on so you can decompress. However, there is no human being that is an unconditional listener. Therefore, in our stress management seminar, here's what we recommend. Talk to your pet. And I waited for the punchline. I was thinking like a heart-to-heart with my cat is going to make me feel relieved. I mean, Adam had a menagerie all around him, and God never said, do the Dr. Doolittle thing and talk to the animals. See, God always has a better answer for stress. He says, talk to me. I will not only listen, I will solve the problem. I can help you. I mean, don't go home and talk to your dog. It's the exact opposite. It's not D-O-G, it's G-O-D. The Bible clearly teaches us that peace of mind is to be the normal Christian lifestyle. And friends, remember, peace is not problem-free living because you're always going to have them. Peace is not absence of pain or conflict because you'll always have it. Peace is not having everything go your way because you won't. There's one last little definition on your message outline. It says, peace is a sense of order that comes from ordering my life according to God's will. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I give you thanks for Jack, for other people who've understood that peace is not a problem-free, deadline-free, conflict-free life, but rather life and peace is a sense of ordering our lives according to your will. We thank you for the testimony. We thank you for encouraging our faith. And we thank you for giving us the peace that passes all human understanding. In Jesus' name, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.